0: Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today we are rejoined by the always awesome Samwise Norman. Sam, how you doing? Hey Chris, doing well, how are you? Doing alright. Um, I know your name is not Samwise, but uh it should be.
1: No, I love I love Lord of the Rings, say so keep keep the Lord of the Rings quotes coming.
0: Exactly, but Lord of the Rings, not so much the hobbit. Let's just let's just get that yeah, out yeah, of the that's way. Not- yeah, yeah. Sorry, listeners. You you've heard how much I don't like those movies because they're uh, they're awful. Um...
1: <laughs> I mean, I almost fell asleep in the cinema watching the first one. So...
0: <laughs> oh man! What? Oh, it's so bad. Like the you know what? I can watch I can watch the second one the last hour because you get Benedict Cumberbatch being an awesome friggin dragon. So I'm I'm down for that. Smaug was great um and marty freeman as bilbo is excellent but the rest is is uh not good it it makes it makes the star wars prequels better by comparison that's where i'm at and i don't like those star wars prequels either but anyways <laughs> uh so sam we have an interesting topic in mind uh, why don't you start it off for us today
1: yeah so uh today we're talking about uh, good intentions and good good ideas uh but bad uh in, outworkings of those ideas it's uh, an in, interesting topic because we we so often see people and uh, in our own lives where we want to go and do something uh and we we go about doing something for the good and it turns out that actually what we what we did was awful so today we are talking about uh, those sort of situations, and actually seeing how we can take those good intentions um, into places and uh, outwork them in a good way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had um, I had two particular uh, ones in mind that sparked the idea of this conversation, and I sent you the screenshot of it. Um, so I guess I'll share the first one. Um, about a week or so ago, someone shared this tweet, which, um, which bothered me. Um, I'm not going to name the person who said it just because I don't know them. So I don't know if it was their intention. And I'm not trying to say this person bad, but in seeing the comments on it, I'm like, no, that bad. <laughs> so the comment was When will Christians realize that a pastor or a Christian ministry should not be trusted until or unless it has been accused of being a hate group? Death threats, malicious slander, hate blogs, and at least one visit from the police should be prerequisites for Christian leadership. So I'm going to let that sink in for a second. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that bothered me. Uh, That bothered me a lot when I saw that. uh, Like... Yes, the gospel is offensive uh, to the sinner, to the non-believer. Um, and it should be. We should not be watering down the gospel and the, and the Bible to the point that it's not offensive. Because um, it will be. That being said, um, that does not give us permission to be jerks. Um, <laughs> to not be bigots. To not be racists. Um, Like, you can preach through scripture and say, this is what scripture says about homosexuality. By standing with that, that does not inherently make you a bigot. But, if you go out of your way to be homophobic, that does. And you can't use the scripture being like, oh... Well, it says that being gay is a sin. That entitles me to be an overlording jerk about it to everybody. No, that's you being a bigot. That would some if someone's accusing you of, of being a hate group for that. Guess what? They're right. Yeah, <laughs> Sam, say something. just because i 'cause I'm gonna rant.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting quote. I I honestly I I remember we talked about this beforehand and uh i at first i actually thought that this was ironic and being sarcastic i i couldn't really believe that there was someone actually saying this sort of thing uh, especially coming from the uk um where really the, the church is 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 careful around these things we're careful about our our view to the to the outside world probably more than we should be but in in some way uh the the tweet is speaking uh, in a way where, where we should sort of be, I don't know, against the society and against the world. And in a way that's true because our message is countercultural. Um, it is um, innovative, it is actually a a radical thing. But at the same time we're told in our Christian lives to, to walk in society, to follow the rules of society, to pray for peace so that we can spread the gospel. And I don't think that we should go as far... To, to say that we can uh yeah be be so hateful so out there uh that we start being accused of of racism or sexism or or whatever it is the the dilemma here comes where uh what we say and what we proclaim gets labeled as racist or sexist when mm. we don't believe that it is that uh i mean if it is and i'm sure there have been churches and secular organizations and various other things which have been sexist or racist um, or a multitude of things which can be seen as hateful but the problem comes when it uh, when we get into the topics of these things and people seeing the the mere appearance of a belief uh, even if it's not acted upon in a hateful way and it's actually said in a loving way as it's meant to be in, in the church that's when it can become a problem when society thinks it's so bad just to have that thought for example the view on homosexuality or uh, a view on um, maybe women in leadership even is a a position within the church alone within complementarianism which from the outside looks like an a an oppressive thing but for for mm-hmm. us actually it's a, a something which isn't oppressive, it's something which enables uh men and women to live their lives as God has meant us to be. And yeah, so it's a it's a very nuanced argument. Uh, in that it, it does depend on why we're being called a hate group or whatever and that might be some of the essence of of what this guy's trying to get at but uh in just on the surface of it we shouldn't aim to be a hate group we shouldn't aim to get caught up by the police and I think if we're doing doing that we've we've caught the wrong end of the stick when it comes to sharing the gospel
0: yeah i i 100 percent agree um like we in at times, I wonder if our, in our zeal to make sure we are not being of the world, that it's then like, okay, well, we got to be counter PC. We got to be all this, where, no, like, you can disagree with something, but that, again, doesn't mean you be a jerk about it. We're called to be loving. We're called to be peaceful. We're called to be respectful. Um, and I think of the harshest words that Jesus ever spoke, it was to people within the church. Uh, he was always kind. He was kind and loving to others. I'm not advocating for a hippie Jesus here um, because he flipped tables. He whipped at people. He, he not just like peace, love kind of thing, but it wasn't like, being an overbearing jerk to others either uh he was quite merciful and yeah i just think that being like this where it's like well your church needs to be accused of being a hate group to be an authentic church i don't think that's a good sentiment because yeah at times people can be accused of being a hate group but it's legit there have been churches that have been racist but at other times, it's, no, it's because we disagree with our message and that's what we're jumping to.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And the, uh, in, in the Bible, in Proverbs 21, uh, 22 even, uh, it says that a, a good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Um, and favor, favor is better than silver and gold. And it's this idea that uh, our reputation should be what we are sort of upholding, you know, And not just in front of men, actually in front of God uh, and making sure that we maintain uh, a good name for ourselves, that we're not known as a group of hateful people. Imagine that if the church just became known as uh, a hate group who uh, just spewed um, hate instead of love. That's not what the church is called to do. Again, you have to be careful here because the definition of what is loving and what is hateful does get defined by society, and that can change. I mean, it can get to the point of where we're proclaiming things where we uh, and the Christian message might be offensive and might be seen as hateful. Uh, we believe is actually loving for their for the sake of their eternal salvation. So there there is a, a fine line to be balanced between definition of what it is, but in the traditional sense of hate. Uh, as the Bible would define, we shouldn't be walking in those things. You know, we should be walking in the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, pe- uh, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gratefulness, gentleness and self-control. You know, we should have those fruits of the Spirit throughout our lives. And that includes uh, how we de- deal with outsiders. I mean, we want to win people for the gospel. Uh, ultimately, we don't want to uh, live our lives in a way to to exclude the outside world. Uh, but we want to encourage them to-, to come to Christ and come to know him.
0: Definitely fully agree with that, um, and I also wanted to share, like, it was something you, we were chatting before, um, this is kind of addressed almost in, First uh, Timothy 3, where there's, uh, at a section for qualifications for overseers, and that section ends with verse 7, where it says, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil, um... I think that's fair i mean we can't always please the outside world and we're not necessarily aiming to do that because to please the outside world often means you have to compromise on things that are black and white in scripture where it's like no this is this is sin but that doesn't mean being a overlording jerk either you can say something is sin without it being hateful um and I think that leads into the next one. It's it's a well-meaning one, and it's well one I've said before. But again, it's something that can be taken to a bad area. Um, it's the almost platitude, I guess, of love the sinner, hate the sin. Uh, so, Sam.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting phrase. I, I mean, there's a, a lot of uh, people in, in my uh, college where I'm at uh, who like that phrase. A lot of them don't. Uh, and it is full of good intentions this idea that we should love people in front of us jesus' classic um uh commandment to to love the Lord your God with all your strength and with all your heart and with all your mind um and then to love your neighbor as yourself uh is, is a command for us to go out and, and love people uh and then again to to hate the sin as God hates sin uh so should we you know we should hate unholiness. At the same time, have grace, having grace towards those who who are not Christians, who don't act in a way which is holy, uh, and that actually we're, we're trying to win them for the gospel. We're not trying to be like, um, your your sin has stopped you from salvation, but it's a, it's a message of redemption, redemption to say, actually, this has happened in our lives. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, and... We, we need to be redeemed. And in some ways it is a great, is a great intentioned phrase, uh, but at the same time it does have a bad outworking. I, I think uh, you made a really good point about this uh, before, uh, about this idea that um, we can get to a point where we love someone so much and hate the sin, where we separate the person and the sin and we don't actually challenge the individual, uh, like there is no responsibility for that, that sin in their lives or there's nothing that they can change about it, especially within Christian circles. Uh, To my Christian brothers and sisters out there, uh, our our whole goal with us being sanctified uh, is to become more in the likeness of Christ, more in the likeness of Jesus. Uh, And that does mean challenging one another, building one another up uh, in a loving way to actually be more like him uh, and not be uh, of the world, but actually being separate from the world in the way we act. Uh, and striving towards the holiness of God, not through a legalistic um, mechanism as well, which is important to add. we're not saying if you don't sin, uh, you know that's that's gonna get you salvation. That's far from what we're saying, but actually we're called to be holy as God is holy and uh, we're on a journey uh, our old selves are dead that we uh which previously sinned and when we do sin that is of our old selves and we need to be walking in the light of our new 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 selves our new creation in christ and that's the message we need to share uh and that's why it's a good intention one but it needs to be outworked in the right way
0: yeah um very well said (laughs) and uh I felt weird saying that because I'm like I feel like I'm tooting my own horn um, just because dear listener, Sam and I uh, today we actually just kind of ironed out some of the stuff that we were gonna go over before because I texted him about three days ago uh, to set this up and then it was just we hadn't had the chance to clarify like what we meant. Um, yeah, so in the case of love the sinner, hate the sin it's there's it's a good thing. But like like Sam said, or like I said before I started recording, and I'm now saying now because, well, that's what I do. Um, <laughs> like, if it's at the point where it's just like, well, I can't rebuke my brother or sister for, for sinning, that's in a bad place because we're supposed to be able to call out sin lovingly. Sometimes that loving means harshness. Um, And there's a difference between being harsh and being a jerk. That's something we've talked about I don't know how many times. Um, But I feel like it's something we're not going to ever stop talking about. Um, Like, you need to be able to call out sin. You need to be able to rebuke your brother or sister. There's numerous biblical examples of how to do this. Um, But when it's just when you take love the sin or hate the sin to a bad place, it's almost like, well, that's the sin, but that's not my brother. But if your brother or sister is in continuous, unrepentant sin, where they're indulging, no, they're... I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying they're not saved, but there needs to be some repentance, and you need to call that out, because they are choosing to partake.
1: And there's... A important distinction as well for us to make between our brothers and sisters in christ and those who aren't within the church as well um the the nature of uh how church discipline and that sort of thing is set out in the church um, is in order not to condemn the outside world for that is Mm -hmm. what god will do and what we do need to preach as well because we do need to preach that stuff which of of the world which isn't of god which isn't in what we think would be God's will for the world, um, we need to speak out and say that that's wrong. But at the same time, uh, on an individual basis, uh, our first and main thing to do with with people outside is not to point out their sin. Uh, the, The first thing for people outside the church, they need to hear about the love of God. Yes, actually, there does need to be some preaching about that we are sinners and we do need to be saved. If we don't get that message that we are sinners, people will be like, why do I need to be saved? You know, We need to get that across and that needs to be clear. Uh, but the condemnation of individual sin, full stop, without proclaiming a message of love and that God has come to redeem us from that, uh, it will fall on deaf ears. Uh, as you know, kids, it's a perfect example is, is kids when they're younger. Um, I certainly, as a kid, if you get told off for something... Uh, you want nothing to do with that person for however long afterwards. But if you are told off in a loving way, you know, which is, is good for you, um, and you're, you're shown a way to redeem that, actually that's something which will will have more of an effect. Uh, and yeah, back to the, the bit on church discipline, Paul talks about uh, if, if one of you is sinning, uh, that actually an individual should go up to that person and say uh, what their sin is, and if they refuse to repent or they refuse to change their ways, then they should go with two or three witnesses to them. And then after that, they have to go to the, the leadership and then it gets proclaimed in front of the church. And eventually it gets to the point of something called excommunication, or which is different, which is different, I'd have to say, to other forms of excommunication in different religions. So in the Christian way, he describes it as being cast over to Satan. And the reason why he does that is he says, cast over to the world. And the reason why is not to get them out of your sights so that you have nothing to do with them. It means that so you can proclaim the gospel to them, so you can preach to them and you can evangelize to them again. They are someone who needs to be brought back into Christ and know the message of Christ still. It's just that they weren't acting in a way uh, which was uh, consistent with being a Christian you know and that's not to say that we're all sinless at all Uh, and there's so many different nuances to to go into that actually Christians can sin and they can be stuck in sin and there's loads of different things to talk about there but that's an important point that the way in which we talk about to non-believers about being holy and believers uh, we should do it in a different manner and Paul sets that out in his epistles.
0: Yeah, I uh, I absolutely agree with that. And I guess we're now on a mini uh, mini topic of something good that can end up being bad sometimes. Uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking of even the process of rebuking. It is it is a good thing, like absolutely. But at times, people in their zeal can be like, "Well, I need to I need to rebuke. I need to do this." I think before we do that, we need to examine our hearts and also examine. Uh, examine our hearts and examine the scripture. Uh, for example, if you have a brother who is not drinking in excess but is just enjoying a beer, not getting drunk, not getting buzzed, so there's no actual sin there biblically. But some churches saw, and for certain people, any in any u- use of alcohol would be a sin. In that case, that is a sin for them but not a sin for the other person. But as soon as you're using any kind of alcohol, it's like, well, I gotta go rebuke this person. I'd say no. Uh, it's, it's an important step. Uh, I think if you're rebuking your brother or sister, it's important to examine like, is this a clear black and white sin? Is this some, or is this something that falls into, all things are lawful, but not all things build up. Because there are things that might not build up and lead to sin for you, that don't for your brother or sister and that's an important step before you get to like let's have this serious necessary process and no way I'm saying like well don't do this because there are certain people who can try to justify things that are clearly black and white sin an example would being any Christian using pornography there is no justification biblically for that it is biblically sin in so many different ways so, yes, if you have a brother or sister who is struggling with pornography, rebuke them and also help them. But if it's a game, the example of drinking, or even playing like a card game like Magic or Dungeons & Dragons, where that could be a stumbling block for you. That could be something that could be bad for you, but it might not be for your brother or sister that would not be like, well, I got to go rebuke and then get three or three people who agree with me and we'll excommunicate him from the church because that's something that is not clearly defined as a sin. And I'm going off on a tangent now because I do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to uh, clarify as well. Uh, I think I said it was Paul. It's actually Jesus in Matthew 18 when he <laughs> talks about um, dealing with sin in the church. Um, and It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's this idea... I think I, I agree with you. This idea that you shouldn't, that the, the, the way in which we uh, go about recognizing sin um, and bringing it up with our brothers or sisters should totally and always be out of a place of, of love for them and wanting them to be more like Christ, not just because uh, we we saw something we disagree with and we want to condemn them, uh, but actually. Uh, the holiness of God is a serious thing, you know, and, and he he uh protects his name, but you know, God really uh wants to uphold what it means to be a son or a daughter and he wants you to walk in in that in in the right way. Uh and that's why uh yeah, in verse seventeen of Matthew eighteen it says, Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector and as I said before, it's that idea of actually uh going out and uh evangelizing to them and not just keeping them you know, on the sidelines as people, oh, that person was a Christian, but now they sin too much and we can't reach them. No, we, we're meant to go out and love them as we would any other non-Christian.
0: Yeah, um, as you said, like, in, in Matthew, and it's Jesus saying that, like, there's a very practical example. Jesus ate with tax collectors. The Pharisees went at him for that. Um, and he was still evangelizing. He was, he was pointing people towards him. There is, there is a difference. Um, there's a way to do this.
1: Yeah, there was a, an interesting point which you said before as well about the idea of Dungeons and Dragons and if that causes you to stumble, putting that upon your brother, uh, not not going after that person for, for that sin. Um, that brings up an interesting topic about doing things which might cause your brother to stumble as well. Uh, Paul talks about um, eating meat and eating vegetables uh, and this idea of forsaking eating meat in order to win others who think that uh, you shouldn't eat meat uh, and the vegetables are the way forward. That's not to say that you should change your conviction and eat meat but if your brother or sister in Christ is taking offence at something to the point at which it's, it's disturbing their faith um, in some way it pulls messages is counter to what we think we in my my personal reaction and straight off reaction would be no I'm just going to do what I want to do that's my personal conviction but actually Paul's like no you should actually love that person and enough to be like right I'm going to withhold myself from this thing or whatever thing it is and he talks about this further when he he's writing to the Corinthian church and talks about idols and food idols and temples and this idea of buying uh, food from a, a pagan temple or eating in a pagan temple. Uh, and he, he says, actually, if someone sees you go into a pagan temple and eat, it's for you, it's not a problem. Because, you know, that that uh, that temple, that apparent uh, God or whatever is not real, you know, it might be demonic or whatever, but, you know, it's not real. and that God is stronger. And in good conscience, you can go and eat there and be like, oh, no, I don't think that's a, that's a problem. But, which is why we can walk into Chinese restaurants or whatever, which might have had uh, some sort of uh, Eastern uh, ritual or whatever applied over. We don't have to worry about that because we know our God's stronger than that. However, if a brother or sister sees you walk into there uh, and knows that that food's been, been eaten or prayed over uh, by uh, an Eastern religion type thing, or uh, any other religion, and that causes them to stumble, Paul's like, no, we've got to cut that out. And it's constantly pointing towards this idea that we're meant to love our brothers and sisters and not cause this, them to stumble.
0: Yeah, um, I think with that, like part of it is also, uh, like, I, I, I keep on going with the drinking example just because it's easy. Um, like for me, I don't, I don't find it to be a sin to, to have a beer or a glass of wine, or Chardonnay, or whatever it is. Um, but if I'm around somebody who I know that that will cause them to sin, like if, if I'm hanging out with people who I haven't hung out with before, like I don't, I'd maybe have like four beers a year, um, and most of the time it's just when it's me and my wife at home. <laughs> like maybe... No one else is around. Uh, but if I'm out and about, I'll ask people first because I'm not trying to cause that brother or sister to stumble. Um, and if they say, uh, no, I'm not okay with it, I'm going to respect that because I'm not trying to make my brother or sister stumble. So uh, with the Dungeons & Dragons example or the game, the Magikar games, like if you're having that person come over and you know that seeing that is going to ca- give them an issue, put it away. If like, or just have it be in a spot that they're not going to go in. Like if they're not going to go in your bedroom, put it in your bedroom. Um, I do think like with certain times, this is one of those things where you have to be careful with it. Um, Because we can't always control what someone is going to see. So if you're like out and if you're out and about by yourself, and you go in, you can't know that someone is going to be there and and take offense to it. So that's where there's there's a fine line. But if it's reasonable to think like, well, I'm going to the market today with Sam, and Sam would take like Sam might take offense to this. Like, okay, I'll skip going to that part of the market today. I'll skip that. There's, I think there's a good way to do this. Um, I hope this is making sense. I'm in no way trying to shoot down what paul's saying but i guess part of my fear is at times if we take some examples then it becomes all about the appearance and the performance which is again something that can be like well we're trying to appear holy but then that can be bad because then it's all about the appearance of being holy and your heart's not actually changed um and i guess all this is leading to another one where it's a great thing we are told scripturally to do it But calling out wolves in sheep's clothing. But I think this is something that people can struggle with in the sense of like as soon as someone you have a disagreement doctrinally about something where the person it's just a disagreement where it's not like the person's advocating sin. You just disagree with their interpretation and that's where it's like wolf wolf. Like let's let's shoot them down. If someone wants to call out, say Joel Olstein, or as we have like prosperity stuff, to me that makes sense because there is definite violation of scripture there. Like, and it's a clear one. But uh, Stephen Furtick is an example. I don't I don't agree with everything he says. Uh, I don't agree with his presentation style. It's just not for me. But I wouldn't be like he's a wolf. Uh, and people have, you can look it up on the, uh, he was part of the elephant room sessions. Uh, there was two big ones and one, the second one involved TD, TD Jakes. Um, and it was very interesting. If you can look up the video somewhere online, but Furtick had said like people had gone out of their way to message anybody, including his children who had been baptized at a service at his church and were like, you're not a true believer. That doesn't count because this guy's a wolf. That's messed up. I think we can. I think we can agree. Like, there's not really any scriptural backing to do that. Um, I don't listen to everything Pastor Furtick says. Out of the stuff I've heard, I'd be. I might be like, I don't agree with the conclusion. But there's not anything I'd be like. Well, this guy's a bad preacher. He's a wolf. He's from a denomination or whatever that is subverting the gospel or polluting it or changing it like again not to just beat them up but like prosperity gospels like a united church that says God is one of many Jesus is one of many paths where that is incomplete again that is completely against something that Christ himself said where I am the way so It's one of those things that can be good, but it can be done badly.
1: Yeah, the uh, example of Stephen Furtick is a really, really interesting one. I I remember listening to a podcast by Matt Chandler uh, or a video by Matt Chandler where actually Stephen Furtick had invited Matt Chandler uh, to go to his church. Um, And you do think, actually, if this guy is a wolf in sheep's clothing, why would he go out this way to invite uh, this, this preacher who's very reformed teacher um a, a very solid biblical uh bible teacher uh and and pastor and honestly i think he it's is such a uh a, a show of his character that actually he would invite someone who actually wouldn't necessarily fit into that church in in the same way um that someone someone else more like his church would I mean, his type of expositional preaching is completely different to Fertick's. Uh Fertig is very much here's the message, here's the illustration. I think that really does appeal to some people. Um, for myself, I'm I'm as a Bible college student, I I really like to get into the nitty gritty of uh, the biblical text, and that's just me uh, wanting to get into that. And but a good sermon is you could listen to th- to Fertick all day, you know, uh, and his analogies. It's It's it's, The way he preaches does have a very charismatic and very appealing um, way uh, about about it. Um, But yeah, to call him out and be like, oh, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. I think what's got to happen, you've got to engage with what he's saying and actually say, okay, why? You you can't just say, okay, people are really charismatic in this church. People stand up, they, they raise, they clap, they do whatever... But you actually need to be like, is this actually a false gospel? Why is it a false gospel? Uh, and and the, the fact that he gets some things wrong, you, in a way, you can be like, right, why did he get that wrong? Is that because it's a false gospel? Or is that just because he comes to the Bible, comes to with scripture with, with presuppositions, which we all have, uh, and, and things in our past which have shaped who we are? And he's come to the text and come to a different conclusion. Is that heretical? it's not necessarily going to be the case. Uh, I mean, I guarantee you that right now I have theology, which is wrong, and (laughs) that is going to change over the years, and through the grace of God, uh, I'm being sanctified, you're being sanctified, all all Christians are being sanctified, and we are all on this journey of of learning who God is and and how he works in the world uh, and what he's done for the world and yeah to 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 say that someone should have perfect theology or that makes them a, a wolf in sheep's clothing it's a it's a it's a dangerous game to play because you're going to be calling yourself a wolf after after
0: some time i uh, i definitely appreciated the the reference to the aging part and the sanctification part um man like I, I did this in my 20s and now i'm doing it in my 30s where i'm like man if i saw a younger Chris and heard half the things he said, I'd, I'd give him a good smack in the head and a kick on the rear. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'd call him a heretic, but I'd be like, you're being foolish and this is not the right interpretation. Um, and at times it's like if a pastor does things that are not pastorly, we can call them out. That does not... When they're in sin, then there's it's a different process in calling them out and it's like, okay, it's time for you to step away from your pulpit for a while. But that inherently does not make them a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, it just means they are, they're going through some struggles and it's time to take a step away from the pulpit and get right with the Lord and right with your church. Um, I also love that you mentioned that. Uh, So, dear listener, I think I've referenced it before, but uh, specifically when Sam mentions Furtick uh, invited Chandler, it was to the Code Orange revival. I think it was in 2012. You can search this message on YouTube. It is a fantastic one. It's called God is for God, um, and it's one that I've revisited numerous times, and you can get something out of it every time. It's similar to when you revisit scripture, you can get something new out of it every time. Even if it's a passage you've read thousands of times, God will still smack something upside your face with it being like, guess what? You didn't know this, so you don't know all this stuff. I'm still teaching you. And I feel like sermons are good, like really good sermons are like that too, where the Lord can still teach you something out of a sermon that you've heard from 2012 from 1999 from you could look up old Billy Graham recordings from like the 60s and the Lord will give you a great smackable learning <laughs> um all right well Sam thank you so much for joining us and uh dear listener thank you for listening today um I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it, it spoke to you that's always my hope and that it, oh Luna singing um and that it pointed you towards the Lord. Um, and let us know, what did you think? Are there some examples of that we missed of well-meaning biblical instruction that gets taken to bad places? Um, did you disagree with us? Please let us know in the comments uh, and hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. All that being said, I hope you have a wonderful day. Stay warm and God bless, my friends. Take care.